0: We'd like to welcome everyone back to the Nova Society, and today we are going to be revisiting a topic that is very important uh, to not only us, but also the United States and the rest of the world, the upcoming debt ceiling debate. Recently there was a passage of a bill out of the House of Representatives, however it looks like that may be dead on arrival when it reaches the Senate, so we had a little discussion about possibilities and where things might go. So, let's listen in. So today, Brooke, we're going to be talking about the debt ceiling and taking a position. Recently, the bill has passed through the House of Representatives. Everybody believes that it's dead on arrival in the Senate. And the question is, is will these politicians be able to come together to be able to basically keep the country afloat financially? So what are you thinking?
1: Well... I'm very concerned about the taking of a position, Mark. As you and I both know, when uh, parties, primary parties, take a position in a conflict, moving away from that position can be extremely difficult. Uh, Moreover, when interested secondary parties, who are those who are not directly involved in the situation, but who are ancillary to the to the situation and who are invested but who like constituents for example or anyone who might be pushing at the primary parties they can the secondary parties can who can become primary parties themselves they can persuade and reignite the primary parties and cause the situation to re-escalate and to re-emerge. And my concern is how the parties, the White House and the the Republican uh, House of Representatives, each of whom has taken a very rigid position on how the debt ceiling and funding of the government is going to move forward with the White House saying first we raise the debt limit and then we negotiate and with the House of Representatives saying no we negotiate then we raise the debt ceiling and this is what we're willing to do in order to raise the debt ceiling some sort of vague cutting of various programs, and then supposedly the budget is going to be balanced in 10 years, which is rather amusing uh, because, of course, future Congresses are not bound by anything that this particular Congress does. The Trump tax cuts did quite a lot to raise the deficit in the first place. So I'm very much concerned. I'm, I'm bemused as to how each party is going to ease back from the position without appearing weak or at all wobbly or flip floppy or however it might be be stated and the the white house has not budged at all and i'm i'm wondering whether they will and with mccarthy's speakership being so thin uh, and the vote on this was what um 215 to 217 very narrow i'm honestly not sure what type of wiggle room there may be and i'm really eager to hear your thoughts i'm just i'm much more alarmed than i have been in the past about the potential for the countries actually going into default and while i cannot imagine that anybody would be foolish enough to allow that to happen. When I look at the the laws and the draconian uh, legislation that is being passed all around the country, what I see as the rampant unenlightenment um, around the country, uh, I really become quite alarmed that the potential for default is is real.
0: Well, okay. Um... I mean, you bring up a lot of things there, and there's a lot of things to consider. Number one, you're right. The vote was 217 to 215. The interesting thing is three people didn't vote. That could have made it go the other way. And at the same time, uh, three or four Republicans have actually voted no. So when you look at it from from that perspective, yeah, he does. It, it is a very thin margin in the House of Representatives, which we expected when, when you have a speaker that is in such a weak political position as uh, Mr. McCarthy is. And we have to remember how important this issue of the debt ceiling is to the country. The United States does not default on its debts. If it does, I mean, the credit rating goes down. And that, for a, a, a financially powerful nation such as ourselves, that has ramifications not only to the United States, it has ramifications across the world. So we've got to remember that, number one. Number two, we've got to take a look at the political thinking here. Political thinking is generally zero-sum. Zero where people take a position and they're simply not going to budge from it until the very last minute. This is uh, the proverbial game of chicken. Who's going to blink first? I'm sure that the White House is betting that because Mr. McCarthy is in such a weak political position that he will blink first. I'm sure that Mr. McCarthy's calculation is is that he thinks he can keep the House of Representatives in line, although he is well aware that what he sent onto the Senate will not pass. So that gives him a little bit of political cover where he could blame the Democrat Senate for not passing it and causing and causing this issue. Same thing with the president. So he's looking from the perspective of, well, I got it passed. If it doesn't get passed, it's the really the fault of the Senate and it's the fault of the president. So that's kind of the political cover. But I think everybody in the room totally understands that no matter what, this can't happen. Now, does that mean it won't happen? No, no, it doesn't. But it would be, I would estimate, very unlikely. Because it's not good politically for either party if this happens. And I that calculation is understood, I believe, by both sides. Yes, Mr. McCarthy's correct. The conservatives are going to blame the Democratic Senate and the Democratic president for a default if it happens. At least he got it through. He could say, hey, I got this through. I think the entrenchment that you're seeing today, as they speak about it today, and remember, we have until June before this becomes a true issue as as we're waiting for june to come along there's going to be more discussions and i think there's going to be a little bit more loosening both sides understand they can't let it happen so now they have to frame it so it looks like they didn't give in while actually giving in so they have to appear to remain zero-sum without being zero-sum That's politics 101. It's just simply a matter of saving face. McCarthy wants to go and say, look, I made those those liberals bend to my will. And the liberals want to say, look, we wiped the floor with McCarthy. And that's really what it comes down to. And you'll probably hear both sides (laughs) claiming exactly that. But let's not forget that both sides completely understand that this is not something that they can allow to happen. If they do, now the nation really has to has to look and say, wait a minute, are these, all of them, and I'm talking Democrat, I'm talking Republican, I'm talking every political person out there, are they sacrificing the economy of the United States for politics? It's that threat of default that has been added to the equation here. What is the backlash? So I think you're going to see either something short-term while they still hash this thing out, which is would be fine, or... A plan of which both sides could claim victory and appear to have not changed their position or have changed it in such a minor way that it it would not infuriate each one of their bases. This is one of those times where a poll is probably going to tell you more about what they're going to do. Most Americans do not want to see, and I don't care from from whether you're Republican or, or Democrat, nobody wants to see the social programs cut. But there's other areas that, yes, they can cut. Uh, we should start living within our means. I don't think any American would say that that's not a reasonable thing because let's face it, as Americans, that's what we do. We live within the money that we have. We can't raise our debt ceiling. We could take on more debt, but we, we have to live within our means. And I, it's about time that the United States started living within its means if you have a dollar let's not spend a dollar fifty i think everybody understands i don't think there's a single person in government well maybe some marjorie taylor green probably doesn't get it but there's not probably a single person in government that doesn't understand the position that we're in and what has to be done and the importance of of taking action on this on this topic
1: so if a temporary resolution were passed Could another temporary resolution be passed and continue along in that manner until the next general election for the House of Representatives and and so on and and Congress to keep everything running if an agreement cannot uh, be reached?
0: With this issue is the debt ceiling. It's not just keeping the government running. The government shut down before. That's nothing new. But we were always able to pay our debts. This is a bit of a different animal. They can pass temporary resolutions to pay the postal workers and pay you know, people in the government. They can pass that. But to pass a temporary resolution to increase the debt ceiling, that's going to look a lot different. It is not that the government is going to shut down. It is that we will not be able to pay our debt. The government shutting down, not paying postal workers does not affect your credit rating. Not paying your debt, that affects your credit rating. And I'm not really sure that it's a hill any any politician wants to die on the long-term impact of not paying debt really would be significant for what is considered the strongest economy in the United States it could it could cause a collapse and that would in- impact the entire world
1: yeah well that's that's what makes me concerned is that there would be a collapse and it would affect the global economy i don't know it just uh, i'm very concerned about what seems to me to be the a very insular nature, short-term thinking, as you and I were talking before, of, in particular, the, the House of Representatives. They don't seem to understand consequences, ramifications of decisions, like with the Dobbs decision. I mean, one would think that after all this time of pushing for it, there would have been an understanding of the many different types of issues that women who are pregnant who may need a pregnancy termination will be confronted with that are legitimate medical reasons I mean, one would think that after pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing for Roe versus Wade to be overturned, that the Republican Party would have discussed with the uh, physicians and would have ironed out the various consequences and issues that could emerge for women, and that clarity with for lists of you know with lists of exceptions and issues and so forth. But it it appears that no planning was was ever done and women are at complete risk for what? their for their for their lives. I mean it it we're entering into uncharted territory, as you said, with going into default. It becomes very easy to say, well, I, as a Republican, won't let the country go into default. I didn't do it. the Democrats did. You see, you, what I'm saying, and I know you yeah. said that also they blame. And while it can't happen, it doesn't mean that it won't. No. And I'm just I'm just very alarmed. That's all. People don't seem to understand the connection between action A and consequence B and long-term effect C.
0: Well, and, and and to that I would say, first of all, the Roe versus Wade thing, the the abortion thing is to me, that's apples and oranges. Yes. They didn't think it through. They basically got something through the Supreme Court, giving red meat to the base. The other thing with the with the abortion thing is it impacts only a certain percent of the population. Somebody that is 60 years old, it really doesn't impact very much at all. I mean, they could be still passionate about it. Absolutely. I, I get that because they probably have children and grandchildren and everything else that they're thinking about. The default on on the debt, that impacts the country. If the economy was to collapse, there are very few people that are insulated from that. And we saw that during the Great Depression. Some of the wealthiest people in the world basically lost everything overnight. This is not giving red meat to the base.
1: No, but I would argue as far as, as the, the abortion issue not affecting everyone, it affects the parents of the woman who maybe has lost her life or can't have children. It affects her husband. It affects any other children that she's had if she dies. It affects uh, the rest of her family. So yes, it it has a major impact. And of course it has an effect on where people live. People need to move. It has an effect on doctors who can lose their licenses, uh, on nurses who can't, and, and doctors who can't give proper care. So I would argue that it has a much wider impact on people.
0: And and I would agree with that. I would agree that it has a wide impact, but I would say that it's also an indirect impact. The direct impact is for those childbearing women. So that's where the direct impact comes. Yes, of course, like any issue, there are the indirect people that are impacted by it. Defaulting, you're looking to direct across the board, uh, except if you're, you know, a multi-zillionaire, it's going to impact you. And it's going to impact you detrimentally. The argument over abortion, that is a purely political stance being one side versus the other. This idea with the debt ceiling, although it's political, I would argue that politicians usually think short-term and they only think of what's feeding red meat to my base, the hell with what happens afterwards. I truly believe that both sides in, in the debt ceiling issue, they really do understand the ramifications. This is one of those things where they could sit back and it doesn't take an economist somebody with a PhD in economics from Harvard to figure out these are the ramifications that are going to happen, not only economic, but political. Both sides, the ramifications are really the same. You're not pleasing anyone. I go back to Brexit back in, in Great Britain. So many people voted for, yes, Brexit. So they they exited the European Union without any thought of what that would mean. And now they're dealing with the aftermath and the fallout from a green brexit now they there's there's a huge movement to get back in because somebody didn't think it out and that impacted everyone every single person that's the difference with this and pretty much any other issue that exists in the united states today the debt ceiling is one of those things that will impact everyone it'll have a detrimental impact if they don't solve this and there is no political win By standing up and saying, well, it's the other guy, well, it's this, whatever, that is not going to get you a win. When the impact of a collapsing economy starts to hit your base, they don't care who you're blaming. They care that they can't put food on the table or gas in the car. Then all of that rhetoric starts to dissipate when it directly impacts me. Unless you're living under a rock someplace playing with space lasers, with like the space laser lady, uh, you have to understand what this means. There's just no way to spin it. So, Brooke, that is it for our time for today. Hopefully we allayed some fears. I'm sure we didn't. but um,
1: <laughs> probably, no, prob- not. Prob-
0: probably not. <laughs> um,
1: probably not. But we'll be revisiting uh, this issue in uh, probably about a month at the end of May when the time is growing short.
0: I would, yeah, I would, I would think so. Remember the first rule of, of international relations is, is that the assumption is that all the actors are rational. (laughs) Uh, so, so now we have to hope that, that, uh, that foundation of international relations also applies to our government, that everybody is rational and truly does understand the issue that stands before us.
1: Yeah, even though, even when they've proven over and over that they may not be rational.
0: Who knows? The answer could be on Hunter Biden's laptop. (laughs) Good talking to you, Brooke.
1: Yes, same here, Mark. See you next time.
0: So there you have our thoughts on the continuing debate regarding the debt ceiling in the United States. And of course, we will be keeping an eye out on this issue. In coming episodes. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors for this episode, the JCIS, whose next edition will be coming out in summer of 2023, and the Phoenix Research Group, Solutions for Society Through Academic Research. We'll be announcing two new sponsors in the coming weeks. We'd like to thank our podcasting partners, Buzzsprout, the platform that hosts our podcast, iTunes, And iHeartRadio, who are presenters of the Nova Society podcast, and of course, Todd Kite, who controls all the analytics for the Nova Society. As always, we'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. If you have a question, a comment, or would like to be a guest on the Nova Society podcast, we can be reached at nova.society.podcast at gmail.com. So as always, we want to remind you, the power of society is knowledge, and we hope to see you again next time.